Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. Uh, I am I'm Jerry, as I as I always am. Joining me today, I've got Thomas. Thomas is joining us from the the Newcastle area. Uh, give us some special local insight <laughs> into all that hot stuff. So Thomas is with us. Terry's with us. Max is with us. And and yeah, so we're we're rolling deep if I'm allowed to say that, uh, being 40. Thomas, if you may recognize him when he starts speaking. Uh, he's been doing these uh, football manager videos for the Toffee Blues. Things like, oh, if Mikel Arteta was manager, what would happen? And uh, Mourinho and all this other stuff. So he's, it's, it's been proving to be pretty popular. So Thomas, welcome. Uh, have you been, had fun doing those football manager videos? Uh, yeah, can be fun at times, but, you know, sometimes it's... It's quite frustrating when the game doesn't work, but John, John likes it, to text me a lot to make me do the videos in time, but sometimes I'm not the greatest for deadlines, but yeah. <laughs> it's weird when you take like, honestly, I, like, I, I had never even heard of that before I started actually like hanging out with these guys and started paying attention to like English football and all of a sudden everybody talks about that. Uh, and and I'm, I've decided if I played that game, I'd be addicted to it, and I would not be able to stop. <laughs> uh, I, do you find you have trouble stopping with that game sometimes, or is it one of those things where now that it's become work, it's really easy to stop? Well, I, um, I started a career with my local team, Gateshead, who were non-league, and I managed to get to the League Cup final against City, and now I, I don't want to play it in case I lose. So basically, I just haven't really played it in, in a while. But I tried to be an Everton manager. I got sacked after six months in the last football manager, so that, that didn't go too well. Uh, Terry, Max, have you guys played that at all? Do you guys play the the football manager? I'm the I'm the complete opposite. It's, it's similar where at the start of the season when you make your fantasy football team, so I'm like I'll say I'll download Football Manager for say Christmas or whatever. I'll play it for like a month or something, and then I just completely fall off the wagon, and it's just just wasted space on my laptop really. But it's still there. Yeah, wow. I, I love it. I honestly. I got a, the latest one for Christmas. I've had it for a couple of years, um, and I've I've got it open on my laptop to play once we finish recording. <laughs> basically, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I um, I was off work for the best part of a month in January, and literally, uh, I was paid. Like, I, and I literally got paid to play Football Manager. It was great. I just <laughs> I've been I've created creating dynasties with Everton. I swear to God. Hard to spend money though on the game as Everton at the minute. Even though we've got money in real life now, it still thinks we're poor from years ago. <laughs> Doesn't let you buy anyone. So, uh, is there is there a difference between Football Manager fans and FIFA players? What Probably is what is good. the difference, Terry? You said that very. You gave me an immediate nod, and then Thomas was, was I think about to chime in on that too. I probably age. I think FIFA's a young man's game. <laughs> to be honest, it, um, football manager um, tends to be for the uh, the older fan. Not not strictly, but I find a lot of football manager players are usually a little bit older. Whereas FIFA, although it has got a lot more players, it's more for like young, like lads kind of things. It, it's 
there's no comparing them. They're both football, but one's a game and one's like a strategy spreadsheet, practically. <laughs> Thomas, what were you going to say about that? Uh, yeah, because FIFA's much quicker than Football Manager. You actually have to sit there on Football Manager and do everything, but on FIFA you can just skip straight through it. That's why Terry's probably right in saying that it's more of a, a younger audience that play FIFA compared to Football Manager now. Like an attention span thing, potentially? Probably, yeah. Ah, <laughs> understood. Yeah, I've I've played a decent amount of FIFA, and um, I had to stop. I just I, I just have issues with certain games. I end up like playing them too much, and I have to literally cut them out of my life. You know what I mean? It's like I get to the point where I'm like, gosh, if I'm going to get pretty good at this, I'm going to have to play more. <laughs> and it's that's the problem. It's like if you that was my issues with like games on my phone. You know, playing little games with your friends on your phone, and I'm just sitting there trying to like. And then I'm like, wow, if I'm gonna, I have to really think about this if I'm gonna be good. And then I realize, boom, four hours gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just can't do any of those things. And maybe it's because I'm not very good at uh, uh, trying to delegate my time. So I'm just having to like shut out anything that's not a necessity right now. Oh, don't play football manager then, because you'll be up at three in the morning. Like, but it looks so cool. Look at look at the new under eighteen coaches that can improve things and set piece routines and stuff like that. You will, it you will lose your life into football manager if you've got those uh, tendencies. See, I'm already super obsessed with like transfer window and like looking for transfer news and everything like that. I'm just obsessed about it when the window opens or close to opening. I'm like. Yeah, I remember when Yarmolenko was close, I was checking that Football Ukraine Twitter, like, just way too much. You know what I mean? And then that, that, that account started hating Evertonians, and I was just like, oh, he's just saying mean stuff about Everton now, you know? And so, but yeah, I, got, I, got, I get obsessed with transfer windows as well. So this one was a good one to help me break that habit, though, this past one. You know what I mean? It was just nice and dull, and hardly anything happened. Uh, so yeah, it's that's what you get. Uh, so, Thomas, keep up the good work, man. Uh, Thank you. Like I said, that I think your first one was uh, got over a thousand views pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, so, didn't, I haven't I haven't checked it in a while, but I think it did. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty damn interesting, frankly, as somebody who was not allowed to touch games. <laughs> I thought it was pretty great. So. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so uh, we are going to ramble on with the rest of the show uh, for podcasters listening out there. Um, here's what it's going to look like. It's going to be kind of an abbreviated show, but since we're rolling four deep total today, maybe some of the segments may go long. You never know. Uh, we're going to start with a Newcastle preview. Uh, going to get uh, these gentlemen's insights. Uh, Thomas is going to be able to give us some super mole inside information. No, I'm just kidding. He's, <laughs> he's from the area. It's just really fitting to bring him on for Newcastle. Uh, and then we're going to talk about a right-back situation. Um, Coleman Kinney is who we've got right now. Holgate's on loan, looking good. What the heck are we going to do in the summer? I don't know. Yeah, so we need to talk about it. So that's that's the next thing. And then we're going to end up with a, with a quiz, if you know your history. Thomas is getting in on the fun. The cage match is getting crazier. No holds barred. Um, let's do this. Uh, Thomas is, is super confident. He was saying earlier how he's going to just crush this. Uh, he was not. I'm kidding. He's not a cocky guy. He's pretty humble, frankly. All right. So, uh, yeah, Newcastle preview. 
Uh, current form, they're 14th in the table, 31 points, 8, 7, and 14. Recently, they lost to West Ham 2-0, beat Burnley 2-0, and uh, beat Huddersfield 2-0. But who isn't these days? Poor Huddersfield. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not getting any better for them, I don't think. So um, I could go through possible starters, but I want to hear from Thomas first. Uh, Thomas, uh, I'm sure you've got like Newcastle supporters. Just as soon as you walk out of the house, you bump into like four of them. I'm sure. <laughs> um, how are they feeling about uh, about the squad right now, their team right now, Rafa and their new signing, uh, Miggy Almiron? Oh, don't even get me started on Almiron. They're constantly talking about him. You know, he came in, he's completed a bunch of dribbles, some chances, but it's because the squad they had at the start of the season. It hasn't seemed like a Premier League squad for quite a while now. They, they haven't to spend very little on players. You know, they've got all their problems with Mike Ashley, the owner, not really giving them much money. And the Rafa's, as much as I hate to say, he's doing ridiculously well with the squad that he's got. It's, it's been the same for a few seasons now. They come in at the start of the season, nobody's really confident. Seems like relegation. And then it's about this time of year they did it last season as well. They seem to find some form and now they're making their way up the table. But the, the thing is with Newcastle, it's the... It's the organisation that Rafa's got them into. It's they're definitely not. They couldn't beat many Premier League Premier League teams man for man. But it's the fact they're so organised, they're so drilled. Obviously, he, Rafa's quite a defensive manager while he's been at St James's. And it's the fact they do they do play as a team. There's far too many. Well, sometimes in our team, there's far too many individuals, and you see less organisation. But at Newcastle, everyone's perfectly drilled. Their, their defence looks. Very good at the moment, but that's basically because you know, if every player is defending, the the team looks better in general, <laughs> and that's that's basically how Rafa's set them up for quite a while now. Yeah, I think uh, they're recently they've been running that like three at the back with wing backs. It's very confusing that they've played Matt Ritchie at left wing back, who started as a yeah. right winger. I don't I don't really know what they do is because they had Paul Dummett, he got injured. He was the only left back at the club. Uh, they brought in. Barrega from Monaco, I think, hasn't really done anything. I'm not sure where he is. And then uh, Kennedy on loan from Chelsea's just been—he hasn't been good enough this season. He he probably won't be starting. He he seemed like an absolute steal for them last season. They got him on loan again, and he just hasn't been great at all. Uh, they're not really best pleased with him at the moment. And he can be decent when playing further forwards, but he's definitely not a left wing back. So whenever Rafa's tried to play him there, he hasn't been happy, and he definitely hasn't been good at all. So. They will probably be playing Matt Ritchie left wing back again, which I don't really understand, but it seems to be working for them. So, yeah, Kennedy's a player. I forgot he was there. That's yeah. ridiculous. No, because he had a good season last year, and he's a player. I think we would we would have mentioned when it comes to danger men, because he actually he looked solid for them last season. So it's just kind of weird. You mentioned him, and I was like, because huh? I had totally yeah uh, yeah I'd forgotten. So, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be really curious to see uh, if he even gets any time because I don't even know if he's been subbing in lately. Um, it's really strange. Um, I'm going to uh, go off on the possible starters, and then I'll let Terry and Max kind of go off on some danger men. Um, uh, Dubrovka in goal, you know, good keeper. Uh, is it Fabian Schaar? Is that who the yeah and uh, Lascelles and Lejeune? There's their three kind of center backs. Uh, Manquillo and uh, I guess Richie tends to play that both those two wing back positions. 
in the middle, you might have Hayden and uh, Ki Sung Young. Um, Longstaff, does he play in the center as well? He's injured, yeah, both, he's injured yeah, both for this one. Oh, he's, he is injured? Okay. Yeah, he's out for the rest of the season now. So. Oh, damn. Yeah. No wonder. Okay. Good yeah, point. that sucks. Now I feel bad for mentioning him. Like, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jose Perez, Miguel Moron, Solomon Rondon. Um, so, uh, Terry and Max, uh, let's, let's go with uh, Terry to start and then Max. Uh, Terry, which player makes you the most concerned as far as causing trouble for us? Well, I would have said Longstaff because he looks all right, but uh, it only come out today that he's um, he's got a pretty bad injury. I think it's knee ligament injury or something like that. Oh, but um, I'm gonna have to say Rondon seems like the obvious one, but he, you know, big physical striker, you know, could track a bully centre backs. And although we've been a little bit better at the back in the last two games, it's the type of striker we don't like playing against. Our none of our centre backs like like the physical sort of battle. Like I mean. Yerry Mina and uh, Jaggy Elka do, but I don't think either of them are going to start. Um, so Rondon, no, I, I just I worry whenever we come up against like big strong number nines like that. He hasn't got a glittering uh, goal scoring record, but usually you don't need one if you come up against Everton. If you you're actually in better shape if you need a goal if you come up against Everton. So probably yeah, probably say Rondon above everyone else um, if you can't say long stuff. Okay, Max, who are you worried about? Following on from Rondon, I'd, I'd probably say Matt Ritchie. I think they're both Newcastle's top assists this season. I think they've both levelled four assists, and I think Rondon's got seven goals this season. So, as Teddy said, if not, if not Rondon, I'd go for Ritchie. I've, o- I've always thought of Ritchie as you know, a really industrial player. Got a, um, you know, got a lot of power. Um, but uh, looking at this game, I, I was just doing a quick look up on the head-to-heads before I come on and I think we're, we're six unbeaten in our last games against Newcastle. Um, I know when if you look at the reverse fixture at Goodison, it, it seemed like all you know they went one nil up, and it seemed like all hands on deck, eleven men behind the ball. Um, you'd expect the dynamic to be different, obviously at St James's Park. However, I feel like we should be going into this full, you know, full blown confidence. We're you know expecting a win. We should be building off the positivity that we took from that derby draw. You know, the positive that you can take from that. And with the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, West Ham and these big home games coming up, three points here wouldn't go amiss, particularly if we do want to start, you know, catching up on the likes of Wolves and whatnot. Uh, Going into our long 17-day vacation, um, there was this feeling that when we played against these more uh, top-tier sides, like top-six sides, we would give them solid games. We'd give them a run, and we'd get some attempts on goal, uh, usually coming up short. But we'd actually give them a, a good game. But we were having trouble with those teams that kind of were organized defensively. Newcastle was a problem for us. I remember being very frustrated watching that game. Um, that... We were just funneling everything to our to our our uh, outside backs who were just launching crosses in the middle, and they were just clearing it out every time. It was hard to watch. Uh, however, um, after the 17-day vacation, uh, we we started bringing a different type of attack. Um, we started getting the ball to Sigurdsson more, and we actually started finding ways to to actually start moving the attack a little bit more central and not always you know, bombing down the flank. 
Um, so Thomas, I'll give you this one. To, uh, do you think that this, we're going to have a similar problem with them? Do you think these tweaks that Silva has made in personnel and with uh, shape, uh, do you think that's actually going to help us coming up in this one? Well, Newcastle, at the start of the season, their, their away form was much better than the home form because Rafa can get away with putting 11 men behind the ball away from home. But at, when they've been at home more, it's almost as if the fans are urging them to get forwards because you get a bit sick of it kind of defending. And I've seen them get caught out a fair few times. It was like against Wolves, it was like a 93rd minute winner or something. Like They keep at home, they get caught going forwards and we have to be much sharper in attack. Well, we have been recently, I thought against Cardiff, we were definitely putting together uh, some good play. But before that game, we I don't think we'd be coming in this game with much confidence, to be honest, because against a, t- a defensive team like Newcastle, you have to be sharp on attack. You have to be making every chance count because when when you're on the break, that's your best chance. That's when they're least organised. But when they're sat back, you, unless you're... Not even Manchester City. City struggled when they were at St. James as well. But you have to be, you have to be accurate. You have to... You can't be sloppy passing. We've seen that too many times this season as well. And I think I think Cardiff was an interesting one. I think going into that, Cardiff also fairly defensive side, trying to uh, not get relegated. But I think we looked very good. And Newcastle are a similar team. So I think if we had gone into the Cardiff game, not got the result we wanted, I think we'd be worried about this game. But I think we showed there our attacks are much better. In the derby, there, there were a few good moments, not, not too many... Um, particularly decent shots on target, but the attack is still looking good. And against this team, against Newcastle, if you can, if you can get an early goal, you, you're destined for three points, really. I know City, when they were at St. James, they scored in like the first 30 seconds and lost 2-1 in the end. But it, it seems with Newcastle that you can't... If you let them into the game and if you let them get into their stride, then they're probably going to get at least a point in the end, if not three. Uh, people always talk about the atmosphere at St James's, but it's 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 similar to what Goodison really. It it can be your your twelfth man at time, but it can also be your worst enemy. You know, if the fans are getting on Newcastle's back mm. and they are still defending in the fiftieth, sixtieth minute, that that's when that's when there'll be issues. Ah, okay, that's interesting. You're right. Everybody does talk about the atmosphere there, and it it can work against you because I think we've seen it. Uh, work against us at times. Um, Max, uh, Terry, you want to weigh in on our ability to uh, break down, or you think that uh, us rolling with Schneiderlin, kind of covering the back, is going to make allow our guys to kind of go forward a little bit more, and it'll be less of an issue? I think the problem we had last game is we picked the entirely wrong lineup. They came to Goodison Park, and we, as you say, Jerry whipping crosses in all night against three centre-backs who were just going to eat that up all day. And it was Cenk Tosin. He had one of his worst games for Everton that night. But I just... As um, as you say, uh, as Thomas says, uh, I think we'll have a little bit more joy uh, at their ground because they're going to have to come out more eventually, whether they do a first or whether they do later in the game. And when we're playing like Calvert-Lewin, Bernard... I mean, it probably will be Walcott, but um, hopefully Richarlison after the second half. I mean, I'd prefer that. I'd prefer to start Richarlison over um, Walcott, but players with a little bit more pace who can possibly hit them on the break when they do have to venture out and try and pressure our defence. I I think that that probably would be the only change I'd make, though, is Richarlison for Walcott. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Andre Gomez, and 
you know, not all is still not forgiven with Schneiderlin for me at the start, but um, I still am very much in the Andre Gomez camp. But after that performance against Liverpool, I think you have to roll with pretty much the same team and just try and exploit Newcastle when the crowd get on the back, which they will, if they're still sitting on their 18-yard box um, past the hour mark, past 70 minutes, they will have to come out and that's when we should look to hurt them, I think, if if not earlier, if we can't so, earlier. So I think we're all in agreement. We all would want to start Bernard on the left, right, based on his performances recently. It's just a matter of whether or not Silva agrees. Uh, if he wants to, you know, pace players on both sides in order to hit them on the break. But I feel like his system works better having a playmaker on one side and speed on the other when it comes to our forward players, you know what I mean, on the outside forward players. So uh, I agree. I think it's going to be uh, Walcott or Richarlison. I'm secretly thinking Richarlison based on uh, last game. But who knows? Max, what are you thinking about that? Yeah, just to add to what Thomas said about St. James's Park, they're, they're unbeaten in the last three there. So, you know, I'm sure they'll have the wind in the sails and mm. they'll be full of confidence. I've, I've actually been to St. James's Park a good few years back. It was one of the worst away fans' experiences I've ever had. But, um, no, as I say, obviously, they'll be coming into the full of confidence. They're, a, you know, a one-club city. They've got a huge community and cultural significance. But... You know, whatever we're bigger than them, we should be. You know, looking to blow them out the water. Obviously, they are going to, you know, pin men forward. As I said, confidence at home. However, like that point, Terry Terry's just made pace players, and we've got to make full advantage of that. Dominic Calvert Lewin. I feel like this could be a game where he could maybe, you know, get on the scoreboard. Bernard can continue his form. Obviously, Walcott's, a, you know, a point of contention. Because, as you say, he does he does provide the pace. It's just whether his touch is there that day, and uh, you know, as we've seen, he's not going through the best runs of form. So Richardson would probably be the best replacement. And for me personally, yeah, I would roll with Richardson on the right hand side. Me too. Me too. Um, so, guys, we got to make some predictions here. All right, Max, you've had to go last on everything. You're going to go first now. 3-1 Everton. 3-1 Everton. Terry? Um, snap. 3-1 Everton. Snap. <laughs> Thomas, what do you think, man? 2-0. Uh, snap 2-0 as well. We're too All confident right. here. Way <laughs> too confident. Can't wait to be humble. No. Should, I, should, I just say, should I just say 5-0 Newcastle just to <laughs> kind of undo some uh, some uh, mojo here mm. so we we are we are all picking two two goal victories that may be a problem guys uh, <laughs> do i need to get my friend in the room over next to us to come in and go you guys are gonna lose by 10 you know because he will do that for us the kind of stuff that ends up in twitter it ends up in a tweet if you lose the match and they all start sarcastically showing videos of you before the game mm. you know yeah yeah, I, I will say I thought I was the only one that was going to be picking a two-goal two victory. I thought I was going to be overly ambitious with that. So, um, yeah. yeah. New, it's, it just, to, just to let you know, Newcastle supporters, we know you've played well lately. Okay? We just – so have we. So, yeah. Plus, we don't – I don't think – no, none of us are big fans of picking losses either. You know what I mean? We usually try to be pretty positive. I don't know. Sometimes Max is just like – yeah, sometimes I prefer to just be a realist, but 
think a fire should be lit under us after that derby performance. Definitely. Sometimes a realist it delves into pessimism. I'm an Evertonian. It does. I'm an, I'm an Evertonian. I'm a pessimist by birth. <laughs> That's so fair. That's so fair. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So a bunch of two-goal predictions. Uh, two-goal win predictions. I uh, Yeah, we don't. We're not liking that either, everybody. But you know what? We can't help it. This is just the way it shook out. So, all right. So uh, I guess that's it for our Newcastle preview. Uh, Thomas, thank you for uh, – you gave us a lot of good information there, and it's clear you actually know their squad nearly as well as you know ours. Too which well, is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much force-fed to you everywhere, <laughs> I bet. So. <laughs> By the way, going uh, Gateshead sounds like it would be an amazing experience to go watch them play non-link match. That just the way you describe it to me, I'm just like, oh, that sounds great. Um, yeah, good luck. You're gonna have to play that one at some point with the football manager as well. Good <laughs> city. Guys, we're going to chat about our right-back situation. Uh, I think going into the transfer window, all of us were were really down about our right-back situation. Um, we were even possibly thinking we might bring one in, um, which did not happen and was a dreadful hope, uh, which I've heard kills you. Um, but, yeah, then all of a sudden, um, Kenny started playing well when he came in for Coleman, did, did all right. And then Coleman comes back in after the after the seventeen day break, and he looks like a different dude. Looks like a totally different guy. Uh, so there's that. And then all of a sudden, after we loan Holgate to West Brom, he's playing right back for them. He's got three assists, and he looks strong as well. So guys, I I think our real question is not how to handle right back right now. It's more. What should we do kind of moving forward? Um, is it a situation where we need to be purchasing one, loaning two out, uh, selling one, purchasing one, keeping the one, and keeping Holgate as a center back and a, an emergency right back? Uh, there's just so many different ways to handle this. Um, the, I, I guess the real question is, uh, do, or do any of the right backs we technically have on our payroll, do any of them make you feel... And, and and I want to give credit to Terry off camera. Do any do any of them make you feel the way Luca Dean does at left back if they were playing right back for us? Okay? So, I'm starting with Max because the last video he was like last with everything. And I want to make him feel better. So, Max, what's your what's your right back plan, man? In answer to your question, um Literally no option we've got available at right back makes me feel as comfortable as Luca Dean on the left hand side. Um, I was just doing me, you know, me, me stats research before I come on. Kenny so far this season nine appearances, one assist. Coleman twenty two appearances, one assist, one goal, and one own goal. Holgate on loan at West Brom nine appearances and three assists. Like you know, a signature. Or it seemed to be a signature of Marco Silva's style of play, where these fullbacks bombing on from deep and and swinging balls into the box. We saw that, you know, exhibit A 
Martinez's first season where Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman were in absolutely phenomenal form and they you know they become whatever you know Evertonians come to expect out of their side you know the getting forward the you know the main supply came from the fullbacks but I think obviously now we you know we've undergone the transition with Leighton Baines we've gone from Leighton Baines to Luca Dina which you know we're all over the moon at with because Luca Dina's slotted in and looked like he's been here for a number of years on the other hand, you've obviously got Seamus Coleman coming back from, you know, numerous quite severe injuries. Uh, and he's hit the big three oh now, which seems to be, you know, the you know, the at the, the thirty seem to be the age where all football fans seem to to question your capabilities uh, and physical abilities. Um, however, you know, I, I'm Seamus Coleman's biggest biggest advocate, but after coming back from such severe injuries it's completely understandable that he's not this this same Forrest Gump style right back where he just puts his head down and bombs it down the line. Like you always um, drop that Forrest Gump reference with Seamus it, Coleman. You I know, love I've it. Been, I've been saying this ever since he came on the scene when he was a youngster. That is, you know, and that what that's what made him stand out and what made him so good was you know his cardiovascular endurance to make it up and down the line like it was nothing. Um, I think that's telling on him more so this season than any other season. Um, I've said, you know, you need to what you watch Seamus Coleman. Now it, it's not the same Seamus Coleman as five years ago, particularly when you had Theo Walcott that, um, on that side who doesn't give him the best of defensive cover, cover, which I really do think Coleman should should have. But credit to him, as you say, after this 17-day break, he's come back. You know, he seems to have took on board that he's getting caught out more than he should. Um, and I think. You know, he's not he's not dedicating any further runs going forward. He's cautious. You think he's playing a lot more side sideways balls than forward balls. And for the remainder of this season, I, you know, given and this is the discussion that we had the other week, there, you know, there's not many others that you point to and say you are a natural leader. So to have Seamus Coleman in the side uh, for his leadership qualities, I just think that's a given and should remain so for the rest of the season. Um, I'm a I'm a massive fan of the type of defender that um, that Mason Holgate is, whether that be from centre-half or right-back. I think he's really pushed his athletic capabilities with his move from West Brom because you've seen some of the assists that he's getting. I know it's you know a reference that I make when referring to the modern-day fullback, but the ability to make it up and down your line without getting caught out, he seemed to have developed that a hell of a lot more. And I'm anxious to see how that fits into Marco Silva's plans when he does come back from the club. Um but obviously, you know, he's not going to be an immediate fix. John Joe Kenny, I don't think he's quite hit the heights that we wanted him to. Full credit to him. You know, he was all, you know, birthed by fire last season due to the, you know, the injury problems, etc. that we had. I think he's played a lot better over the couple of appearances that he has had. He showed a lot more attack and promise. You know, I think it was against Leicester where he absolutely cannoned one off the crossbar. Um, so you want to see that more. You know that in his play, but and I'm just you know, teeing this up, and I'm sure the rest of the lads that agree, agree with me. I think we really do need to go into the market in the summer looking for a right back. So, purchase a right back, keep Holgate on the roster. What are we doing with Coleman and Kenny? I'm sorry, I said roster, and I just showed my American. Is a sh- yeah it, on the squad? Okay, <laughs> I corrected myself. All of England that's watching and listening. So yeah, what do we what do we do with Coleman and Kenny then? 
Is that, is that a question for me? Yes, because I'm asking everybody. <clears throat> the game isn't based on sympathy or sentimentality. I love Seamus Coleman. He's a fantastic leader. And I, you know, I, I keep him around. I must say and get rid of him. But I think it's time for someone to come in and take his place. We've seen the exact same scenario play out with Leighton Baines. You know, great, great player to have in and amongst the camp. But if we want to reach these elite levels of, uh, you know, knocking on the door of the top six, we need to provide an equal threat from the right-hand side as we do from the left and do it more consistently. Okay. Max has spoken. All right, I'm going in the opposite order, so Thomas, hang, hang tight, okay? Terrence, what do you got? Um... I've I've thought for a while, like like Max as well, and I'm sure um, a lot of people feel as well. We do need an equivalent sort of player to that to what Luca Dean brought to the squad when he came in. That sort of like the right back Luca Dean, I think, is what the squad needs. Now, what happens to the other three? Um, I'm just going to disagree with Max a little bit. What what I would do is I. I Mason Holgate, I think, future at the club. Now, his future long-term, if he stays, if he goes, whatever, he's doing really well at right-back at West Brom. I think the long-term plan for him at the club is to be a centre-back. Now, when he comes back from his loan, Jagielka's contract is up and Kertzuma's loan deal is up. Now, Jagielka is... In you know advanced in years, let us say, and, it may, and he's on a huge wage for a player who doesn't really... Play a lot, fantastic servant to the club, great player in his in his time, and can still do a job now as he showed against Cardiff. But I think it may be a decision taken by the club that they let Jagielka let him go, or move you know move him into a or from a coaching position when he hangs up his boots. It might not be just yet. He might go and have another year at Sheffield United before he calls it a day. But I think he'll leave the. The squad or the roster, Jerry. Um, I'm so sorry. The, the situation with Zuma as well is not straightforward because it was wasn't even straightforward to begin with because he's a player that you know Chelsea change their managers all the time, so you don't know whether a new manager will want to use him. You don't know whether the club have got designs on using them down the line, and also there's this transfer ban that whether it comes in this summer or not, Chelsea may see him as someone worth keeping around. So we're going to be potentially down to two centre-backs in Keane and Mina. And rather than buy another two, whether one Zuma or not, I think Holgate will be take up his position as the, th- the fourth centre-back when he comes back, having had the loan and got regular football while we still had Jagielka for that spot. Now, when it comes to the right-backs, I still think we need to um, bring in, whether it's who we'll be linked with um, from PSG, like Thomas Munier, is that, um, or whether it's someone else. Like I know that, I mean, he would fit the, the profile of a slightly older, but um, right back Luca Dean, because he'd come from a much bigger club. He's got a lot of experience, um, but he's got a point to prove because he wasn't getting the games he wanted there. Maybe that's a good fit, I don't know. But I would keep as the second choice, regardless of who comes in, if we find this good fit for that spot, I keep Seamus Coleman as the number two, whereas Max, I think, was leaning towards keeping Kenny as the number two and sort of moving on Seamus Coleman because of his advanced years. I think when you want the balance in the squad, you want that experience. If you want, you want to be able to call upon 
the experienced players when you need to. The, the players, although you know Coleman's got a lot of leadership qualities, it's still not you know it's hard to come by in the squads as at large. The players who've got you know vocal players, the players who've been around as long as Coleman has. So I would keep Coleman and have him compete with this new right back. Our understudy, not well understudy is the wrong word, but sort of be the second choice right back but can come in comfortably with a wealth of experience when called upon like Baines can on the other side and Kenny I like Kenny I think I would prefer to loan Kenny get him a good loan move get him playing some regular football see if he can develop like Coleman did at a young age when he went to Blackpool and it could be one two years where you start to think Coleman might start to wane a little bit further and then that's when you think right well Kenny can now come in and compete with right back Luca Dean whoever that may be so um, retain Holgate as the fourth choice centre back um, look to loan possibly sell but preferably for me loan John Joe Kenny and keep Seamus Coleman as the second choice alright I'm finding myself agreeing with both of you guys about different things. So, yeah, it's kind of it's fascinating. Uh, Thomas, your turn, man. Thank you for thank you for your patience. Uh, I think we've got the point now where we don't actually have a right back in the squad that's going to even complete a full season, which means I think you have to sign someone in the window because I don't think when Marco Silva gets to the start of next season, I don't think you look at Coleman, Kenny, or maybe even Holgate and look at them and think they'll consistently perform for this this whole season. I don't think and I don't think you can have the confidence to go into a season like that. I don't think you rely on one dropping out of form and then one filling in. It seems that Kenny and Coleman don't seem to be one out of form and one in form at the same time. I, they seem to be both out of form at the same time, which is frustrating if you're the manager, but I definitely think we need to sign a right back. Obviously Holgate he he was mainly played as a centre back when he was here. Obviously he's still here, he's just on loan. Uh, he has been given the chance at right back at West Brom. He's clearly doing really well. But I agree with Terry as well. I think he's destined for centre back. I don't think he's going to be used as a right back for many more years, especially as he said, uh, without repeating him too much. With Jack Yelka coming at the end of his career, I think he'll probably leave or I think he'll probably be, end up as a coach. But I think we have to sign a right back. I don't think Marcus Silva will want to go into a season not knowing that he's got a consistent right back there. I think. I think for the manager, you've got to go into the season with a player in each position where you know they're probably going to be quite consistent throughout the whole season. Uh, you just, I don't think you get that with any of them at the moment. I don't, I don't blame Coleman for how, how his performances have gone downhill. He's getting on. He had that horrific injury, but I think, he, I think he has to stay. I think it's so important to, especially if we bring a younger right back in, which I think... Marcel Brands or Marcus Silva, whoever it is that makes decision, wants to do. I don't think they're big on signing older players. They're definitely longer looking for the future. I think it would be much better for if a younger right back came in to have to learn off Seamus Coleman. You know, Lucas Tignier, He's, I mean, he's not. He's definitely not the youngest, but he's not. He's not old yet. You know, he's still probably learning from Baines. And I think if you're going to keep any right back as number two, I think it should be Seamus Coleman. He's got so much experience to give, and I. It's frustrating about John Joe Kenny because I think he's he's coming to the team a, a bit too late for him. Uh, there's quite a few under 23s like that. Like Tyus Browning's gone out now. I think uh, he went to China. I think there's too many of our under 23s were let be in the under 23s for too long. And I think because we had such consistent performers and uh, Jagielka was great for several years, Coleman at right back, Baines at left back, 
that all of a sudden they've all come to the end of their careers at the same time as these under-23s maybe haven't developed well enough. I think, I, did, I am a fan of John Joe Kenny, but I, I don't think he's consistent enough. And It's frustrating to say, but I'd, I'd probably sell him. I think maybe one season give him a loan, but I, I'm not sure how much he he would drastically improve from a, a loan deal now. I think he has to be playing at, at a higher level. I think he was at Oxford on loan a few years back, or I'm not too sure how long that was. But I think he'd have to have a loan at a higher level, which I'm, I'm not sure he'd actually get now. It, it's frustrating to see because he was, uh, it was three, two years ago when he won the uh, the under-23 title, and he was really promising. But I think there's too many of our under-23s were left in the under-23s. And I think it's almost too late for them now. If they're not the the made player that we need, I think you'd have to look in the transfer market. And I think you're much better with Seamus Coleman teaching a, a new right back, or not teaching, but influencing them than John Joe Kenny, because I don't think John Joe Kenny's got the experience. Yeah, I mean, all three of you guys, there's some really good points and good analysis there. I think that's it's very thoughtful. Um, for me, Seamus, I... I chalk his recent positive play up to him having some rest. I mean, he's an older dude, and as one of those, I can tell you, a little extra rest goes a long way. You know, and you can look like a new player. You can actually have some life in your legs when you're able to kind of recover. And I'm be- and I- that's my guess. I think people are like, you know, which one is the real Seamus Coleman? Well, they both are. You know, he's, he's, he's getting older. When he doesn't have enough rest, he's going to look like he struggles. When he has some, he'll play well. Leighton Baines went through the same thing, same thing he's got, you guys were talking about. Same thing. When he got the opportunity to play this season, Baines has looked good, right? So, because he's, he's been fairly rested, I believe, you know? So, uh, I, having said that, I would agree with all three of you guys. I don't trust any of these guys as day one starters in a Luca Dean type of a mold. I don't, you know, it's tough because I think we have three good players who could start for other Premier League teams. You know what I mean? Probably, but I know you say like, you know, look at Seamus Coleman's recent turn to, to, to good form, but I point to the Wolves game, not just for Seamus Coleman, but for Leighton Baines too, as an example of playing, you know, two aging fullbacks against Ooh, the more modern, good point. you know, Three three back with wing backs style team, um, particularly as I mentioned earlier, lack of defensive cover from the old wildcard. You know, it it just leaves mm-hmm. you for dead in those pockets. Um, and as I say, I think we need to look for a more athletic mold of a of a wing back to. Yeah, to and- I was just gonna say, just to throw in, obviously, you know, and that's what I was kind of hinting at with um, Mason Holgate. He's got the, you know that athletic versatility to play both centre half and full back. So with that in mind, where does getting in a new right back in the summer rank among, you know, the importance? Say we, you know, we've got a huge priorities. Issue. Yeah, we've got a huge issue with centre forward, and you know, you can argue the case for centre half as well. So where do we think that ranks? Yeah, you've just made my next point. I was going to bring that up. Um, I, I think earlier, a couple, of, even just a few weeks ago, anyone, even like Marcel Brands or whoever, would have said. On the list for the summer, you know, there's there's you know centre midfield, centre back, centre forward, right right wing, right back would have been pretty high on there. But the fact that we've got, let's be honest, a player who likely, if Jagielka goes, will be named the new captain. Are you going to name a new captain and then he's second choice? Like, it, 
we've got three players there of varying levels of experience and different qualities and, and whatnot. So I think that I, I worry about it. I, I don't think it'd be the right thing to do, but it possibly now has dropped dramatically in the priorities list. They might think, well, we didn't think a few weeks ago we'd have to be replacing Adrissa Gay. Now we probably are. And, you know, Zuma, we thought that was going to be more straightforward than it probably is going to be now. I don't know. I, I think they might they might prioritise and say, you know what, we've got three potential right-backs there that can wait until the summer after or, or beyond. I, I hope it doesn't, but I would, wouldn't be surprised if it got ticked off the list for the for next time. Idrissa Gay leaves, I think that position becomes a priority. If Idrissa Gay, that's the number one priority for me because mm. it's so important for Silva's system. If Idrissa Gay stays... It's not as important, and striker, that center forward, is is a pretty huge priority. Although I will say, I think DCL is better than people give him credit for, and I think he's our starter right now, but I'd feel more comfortable having someone who's a little bit more clinical, someone who's just you you are comfortable going to in, in crunch time. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, and right back to me, uh, if Adrishke stays, right back becomes the second Priority, but if Idrissa goes, right back is number three for me. You know, and then wing, you know, that right wing player to have a, a different natural right winger besides Walcott, because right now we got one. You know, mm-hmm. so, but that's, I mean, but uh, to to finish up what I was uh, saying earlier about uh, just to kind of round out what I was saying about my what I would do with these guys. Um, I want to see how Coleman does the rest of this season. That's that's I've been I, I feel like I've been saying this for a while. I want to see how Coleman does the rest of this season. If he starts to fade the way he did in the earlier of the season, I may lean more toward Max with the idea of selling Coleman. You know, mm. if he fades too much, all right. I don't like it when you put it that way. Actually, I I, I don't actually want to sell Seamus Coleman. You know, like I, I I I've seen the impact that he has on that on the dressing room. He's you know he's of huge value. However, there are you know there are singular incidents within games where he has cost us a lot. Like and that's becoming a more common occurrence, particularly this year. So. Yeah, that, that's my point. Really, that you know you just don't want players in starting positions costing you points. Yeah, and, and I love how Max, you were like, you got to throw sentimentality out of the window. But wait, don't say it like that. Yeah. Don't, don't. <laughs> no, I, I want to at the club. He deserves the testimonial. Though. Hey, his personality is one of my favorite, and when he's on, he's one of my favorite players to watch on the team. You know, that's the thing. I mean, if he sits there and he has a fit and trim the rest of the season, okay. I want him, but it's a tough decision. Do you loan Kenny out or do you sell Coleman? That's what I feel like the decision really is. And you keep Holgate on either as a center back or to possibly step in and right back whenever you need him at squad depth. You know what I mean? You could, if you keep Holgate on, you can have him either way. You can technically have him as a, as a center back and play him at right back when you need him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Realistically, the only the player with the most chance of being sold is Holgate. He's the one we're saying is least likely, but he probably is the most likely because a he'd probably be the best financial, you know, sort of make the most financial sense for the club because we've got two right backs. You know, we we we've got you know centre backs if we retain Jagielka 
and there's a buyer. He's young. He's English. He's he's basically got a buyer waiting in the wings. So if, if Holgate, if sorry, if West Brom were to come up and say, "Oh, Holgate, we really like him. We want him to be our right back." Here's ten to twelve million. The club may turn around and go, "You know what? We paid. We got him for a song a while ago. We're probably not going to start him." Mixed. It's a no-brainer. I don't want it to happen, but I think he's the most likely to be sold if any of them are sold, not loaned. Yeah, if you're gonna if if you're gonna get a higher price, he's the one you'll get the highest price out of the three. I I would agree with that right now. It depends on if they were bluffing when they put out that story on the Echo the other day, saying or no, it was today. I think it was today or yesterday where they said we have no interest in selling him right now. Mm-hmm. We have no interest. We want Mar- Silva supposedly likes him. It depends on if that was a bluff to get to drive the price up. This is the. English transfer nonsense. You know what I mean? That, which I love. <laughs> the bluffing and driving the price up and all that stuff. Because honestly, though, Marcel Bronze, it seems like the plan is if, if Silva likes a decent player and he's young, they will keep him and they will shave the older players off the roster in order to keep the youth. Because that seems like the core they're trying to build. That's why I feel like we'll keep Holgate regardless you know Money what ball. i mean yeah dude right yeah. approach i believe it's the right approach so i mean he's built other clubs like that so um anything else this has gone quite long but i feel like we're being pretty damn thorough here uh so the we all agree let's purchase a, a an additional right back for the squad where the disagreement or difference of opinion is what to do with Coleman, what to do with Kinney. And uh, it seems like we're all on board with Holgate staying on the squad. It's really what we're going to do with Coleman or Kinney. That's the real, like, and I think you have, uh, we have more games to figure that out. Right? So, all right. (sighs) Smart points though, guys. I like I like. This was a good discussion. We all took turns. It was beautiful. It was like, it's like what Congress should be. All right. So, <laughs> gentlemen, thanks so much. I guess that's it for our right back discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, It's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits not just Terry, but also Thomas against Max in a cage match of Toffee's Wit and Might. So guys, uh, because we have three, it's not just mano a mano. Essentially the way the game is going to work is we are playing the first to three. So I will name out an Everton player, and these guys will have to tell me how many goals said Everton player uh, has scored uh, for Everton. Okay, uh, it could be uh, it could be any Everton player, and it could be it's, it's some of them are cumulative over more than one uh, span of their. So that should, yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Um, so essentially, as usual, the person who goes last does have a bit of an advantage. The way they do sometimes on uh, on Price is Right. So uh, that's pretty much all this is. We just do prices right over and over again and countdown. That's that's what we're doing. Um, so uh, 
Anyway, uh, Thomas, do you have any questions about this? Because you're you're sort of new to this. No, I, th- I think I'm fine. It's relatively straightforward. Um, yep. So, I guess uh, cue intense quiz music. Kind of a slow ramp up. Slowly gets there, and the drums kick in a little bit. We're starting this off with a uh, a name I always tend to get wrong, but I've been working hard on it. Thomas. Billyletdinov. How many goals did Billyletdinov have when he was for when he was playing for Everton? Oh, um, I can't imagine it was that many, to be honest. Uh, something under ten, I reckon. Maybe seven, eight, nine. Going to go with nine. All right. Thomas says nine. Max. I'll say seven. Seven. Terry. Gonna go with ten. Ten. Okay, this is difficult because all three of you are close, but the one so two of you are one away. Okay, (laughs) so the tiebreaker is the one who didn't go over. Okay, and that would be Max because the correct answer is eight. Oh, (laughs) so. You were very close, Thomas, but the tiebreaker, Max got that one. So, Max has one. All right. But every one of them was an absolute rocker. Screamer, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Max, you're going first this time. Uh, Let's go. This guy was super prolific. Inner Valencia. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um... I watched some uh, La Liga, the Mexico, Mexican League, and so I see him playing every once in a while. I think he plays for Tigres now. Yeah. Three goals. I mean, they're pretty good. Three goals. What'd you say? Three. Okay, Max says three. Terry. Um, not deliberately doing the prices right thing, but I was always going to say four. I think four. Ah, four. Thomas. I was going to say three as well, but I take it I can't go for the same one. Uh, two. I'll just go with two. And that would be the advantage to going first every once in a while. Because Max nailed it with three. <laughs> <laughs> Shit for an attack of that, eh? Yes, it is. <laughs> That's, there's no way to dress that up. It's, it's shit. That's the only way to say that. That's, <laughs> he was like a last so, guys, own, wasn't he? He was never actually probably in the plans to even come in. But when did we sign him? Have we been chasing someone else all summer and then just last second went, oh, he was available on love. Giroud, I think. Was it that summer with Giroud? Was it, yeah, that's right. Oh, hang on. No, it wasn't Giroud because we didn't get him when we got class on everyone. It was the year before, I think. Koeman's it was. It was. Cumin's first season. Yeah, I, think, I, I can't remember who we were after, but it doesn't sound like, oh, yeah, we really want Enna Valencia. I think it was just we called around and he his agent was pushing for a loan for him. Went, yeah, he's from the Premier League, he'll do. Oh, it was so weird because it was that little flurry. Uh, was that when we were trying to bring in Sissoko <laughs> at the very tail end of that window? And he put yeah. his phone on airplane mode to blank yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was like, Sissoko, that one went down in flames. Oh, by the way, here's Inter Valencia on loan. <laughs> and it was the weirdest little flurry because Sissoko had just had that, that killer 
uh, tournament for France in the was it, uh, Euro Cup. He had played so well for them. And so, yeah, just the weirdest little flurry for a deadline. Ugh. Yeah, nearly got Witzel as well in that summer and moved in for. Yep. We were in for Gabby Adini as well. Couldn't get a deal done for him. It was a strange summer, though. There was a lot of, oh, that summer. You know what I mean? Too much of that. I love Witzel. I loved Witzel. I wasn't really bothered about Sissoko and, and, you know, Gabby Adini, but Witzel would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Terry, I believe you are going first this time. Mm-hmm. Andy Johnson. Ooh. Um, I'm going to say 28. 28. Thomas. I don't, I don't think it was that high to be honest I think it would be somewhere more around 20 so I'll just go 19 19 says Thomas Max for the win are you going to nail this 23 23 the correct answer gentlemen was 17 Thomas is on the board I didn't realise it was that low I was just kind of gambling there but okay he had 11 in his first tenure and then 6 later on right so, uh, next, we're back around. Thomas, you are first on this one. Leon Osman. Oh, um... Definitely never a top scorer. Not not low, though. Probably... I'll go 38. 38. 38. Max. Hmm. <clears throat> Think of that long career at Evan. I'll go 42. 42. Terry. 35. 35. You know, Terry, had you done the Price is Right thing, you would have nailed it. Because Osman had 43 goals. Ooh. <laughs> One off. Yeah, and that means Max just took this, guys. Oh, it's been a while. It's nice to feel I've like seen I'm on this time. Yeah, like you've, you've been more or less on the, on the nose with all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too close, Max. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here for real? What is actually in that pen you're smoking? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, guys, uh, there's a lot of other names, but you know what? I may save them for the next time. All right? Uh, there's some some good names here. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to say who they are because I want to save them. That's what's happening. Quizmaster John, you're welcome. I'm keeping your material alive. You can recycle. It'd be great. Max, congratulations. Thomas and, uh, and Terry, uh, you're still great in my book. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, uh, Max, uh, so you get to choose the tune we play out the show to. So, what tune is that? By the way, by Red Hot Chili Peppers. By the way, standing in line to see a show tonight. Yeah, there's a yeah, yeah. The one. My kids love that, dude. 
my my kids it's weird my three and six year old whenever chili peppers come on the radio or on our spotify or pandora you hear them go chili peppers <laughs> they know the sound it's the weirdest thing yeah it's weird <laughs> it's very distinct i never realized that yeah you know i've been listening to them since high school and that was like before electricity and yeah man it's Big big fan of the Chili Peppers, dude. Yeah, That's, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of them. It's like I didn't expect that, dude. Oh, you read the Anthony Kiedis book, didn't you? Yeah, I've got the Anthony Kiedis book. Yeah, yeah. So you are a big Chili Peppers guy. Yeah, yeah I remember I'm a, now. I'm a big fan. I've got a long, uh, a very weird story behind why I like them so much that I probably couldn't say on air. I'll tell you another time, but yeah. Uh, the, the one oh, you like, set it up. Nah, <laughs> wait another time. But it's just one of them, like the age that I'm. Like as I was say, what about sixteen, seventeen? Like you know the songs, but you don't know where they're from and who they're by. And then once you, I kind of clicked and I started listening to them. I was like, oh, I know that song. I don't know that song. I don't know that song. It's like, but the other turns out that I, I actually like pretty much everything that they do. So, yep, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. My brothers, I've been listening to the Chili Peppers since high school. I had that Blood Sugar Sex Magic album, and it's just. Oh my God, so good. It was, the timing on that was perfect for me in high school. But uh, my God, yeah, so very good stuff. I'm, I'm excited to tell my, to tell my family we're, we're playing out the show to Chili Peppers. That's awesome. Uh, so uh, as, we're, as we're listening to Anthony Kiedis uh, sing about uh, Heavy Glow, uh, <laughs> it's time to end uh, the Toffee Blues podcast. If you've been listening, which you have to, because that wouldn't make sense. It's a podcast, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to see our faces, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you do, check our check out our YouTube channel because there you can actually do that. So yeah, check out our YouTube channel if you if you uh, you know if you're so inclined. If you want more Thomas, he shows up on our YouTube channel often doing his football manager videos, and uh, I believe Thomas also every once in a while contributes to the Toffee Blues website, and he runs the social media sometimes. He's kind of just like a utility guy, you know what I mean? Kind of does a lot, which is awesome. Uh, if you want some more Terry Liverpool Echo fan jury, he shows up there every once in a while. Check his Twitter and he'll tell you when he'll be there. Uh, if you want some Max, well, who doesn't? But keep it on his Twitter. He'll tell you when he'll be on uh, different, different websites, but also on the Toffee Blues website where he does analysis there as well. Just check out the Toffee Blues website in general. All the contributors are awesome, knowledgeable guys. Um, and some, uh, I was going to say ladies too, but we're working on that. So uh, <laughs> I don't think we have any. That's a shame. Uh, uh, and uh, follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I have no more plugging. It's time to unplug. Uh, Terry, thanks so much. Good to talk to you. You too, man. Always a pleasure, guys. Max, thank you for the, the, the tune suggestion. Congratulations on your win, sir. Good to talk. Thank you very much. Great to be on as always. Thomas, you wonderful guy. Thanks for stepping in and being the the fourth, our fourth in our, uh, I guess it's a four horsemen type of scenario if you're into wrestling. So uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah man, good to good to talk to you uh, again. Good stuff from these gentlemen, and this is Jerry uh, signing off. Much love. Thanks a lot. Three points this weekend, and bye.
waiting for.